Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 297 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Blue Devils may not be playing in the NCAA tournament, but oh, what a start to the tournament we got. It is Sunday morning around 10 a.m. We have seen the entire first round now being played, and there's just been some fabulous, wonderful games. So we are here to talk about it. Uh, I, of course, am Jason Evans. I am joined, as I always am, by Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Donald, I'll go to you first. Boy, how much fun was it to have the tournament back? It's the most wonderful time of the year, and that remains true even if we're not in it. I know it's been 25 years, 26 years since we haven't been in it, but really it gives us the chance to watch as a neutral and as a college basketball fan and not have to stress over brackets. Uh, I know we'll talk about the brackets, but uh, what I did this weekend was just enjoy the games. And, and like you said, Jason, there were a lot to enjoy. Uh, you know, it's crazy. I feel like I, I almost watched more this year than I have in past years, which seems crazy, but just the way the games were spaced out, I feel like they did a better job of it this year. Than and, they're not, the and, you, and you're not yeah. worried about like when you, when Duke's playing, I'm kind of worried about like, Hey, okay, this team wants, so that affects Duke in this way. And you're trying to right. piece it all back to Duke. Now it's like, Oh wow. That upset was great. Who they play. doesn't matter. The next upset is great. Like that you can take the games for what they're worth. Sam, Sam, I'll let you come in. Are, are we right? Is it easier to watch this or is it also kind of painful? <laughs> it's a little sad, but I do agree that the, the game watching experience this weekend so far has been great. I it's Sunday morning when we're recording and I am waiting to decide how I feel about the round of 32 being split across Sunday, Monday, as opposed to Saturday, Sunday. I did actually kind of enjoy getting the extra day one to do my bracket this year. And two, that there wasn't at like, I'm, you know, back in a, in a like normal working, like nine to five or nine to however long my days are normally environment. It was a lot easier to not have to spend two full days of work trying to pretend to do work while I while I watch games. So having it having more games over the weekend, I think is actually more fun. Uh, guys, you know, speaking of brackets, uh, first thing I got to ask you all in in the DBR tournament challenge, uh, where where do you stand? Uh, hang on, I got to look. How many people are in the? DBR I failed to challenge? join. I failed to join the DBR tournament challenge. I just like completely spaced on it. But I have my I have my picks, and I can tell you how I'm doing in some other bracket pools, which so, is generally good. So there are 47 people in the DBR tournament challenge. I'm in 31st place. I'm in a big tie for 31st place. I um, am in a tie for fourth, which I just checked now, and I have no idea how that happened. That's My very impressive. Bad. And Donald. I failed to join. I, I need to now I need to look it up and, and compare it and tell you where I would have been. So you you keep talking while I do that. <laughs> well, wait, Sam, I got a question. Are you if you're in uh, a, another ESPN pool, you can probably join the DBR. Um, check and see if you can do that. I, I'm very disappointed that you're not. I will work out. Well, so what happened was I, I I know why this probably happened. If the if the DBR one is on ESPN, I made a new ESPN ESPN account last week to join brackets because my previous one that I made when I was like, I don't know, 12 years old or something, <laughs> it, it, it put me into a, into a recovery email address loop, which I cannot access anymore. So I made a new ESPN. I mean, there, there's nothing stored in my ESPN account, so it didn't really matter, right. but it does like the one thing that's in there is access to my old brackets. And so I don't have that anymore. Sam, what number of points do you have? Because if you know what that's number what points I'm checking, you have, that's what I'm okay. I'm, there so we go. I'm going. I'm going to the ESPN bracket challenge, and, if and we can tell you right the off the bat way. where you where you would fall on the list. Yes, I am doing that. Keep talking. By the way, huge shout out to Peter Swift uh, from the DBR, who who by the way won the Degenerate Gambler pool, whatever you want to call it, on the DBR. 
He is in first place. He had 27 of 32 games right. That is really impressive. Way better than uh, than me. Uh, Donald, you know, Don, very nice. Donald had 23 games right. That is, that, Donald, uh, you, you are the man. So, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate I, that. Way, way better than me. <laughs> what's the... Gonna... All right, so what's the scoring system on DBR? Like, what's it's 10 the... points, 10 points for the first round. I had 20 of the 32 games right. You had 20 of the 32 games right. Let's see, I'm, okay, I, I don't know how this one, I'm in, I'm in two pools here on, on ESPN and I'm trying to see if either of them are set up the same way. I have the like, the like max totals are like in the, are in the 16, 1700s. Is yes. that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so I have, I have 200 points from the first round. You are tied with me. <laughs> okay, so I stink, great. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Anyway, guys, we, we do need to talk a little about the tournament, um, uh, you know, in more terms than how our own bracket is doing. We want to talk about how the ACC did. The answer is not well. Only not two, great, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> only two ACC teams reached the round of 32, Florida State and Syracuse. Uh, and, uh, you know, Florida State's going to be playing a Colorado team that absolutely spanked Georgetown and Syracuse is playing a really good West Virginia team. Um, this is the first time since 1999 that the ACC only had two teams reach the round of 32. Folks, if you remember back then in 99, we remember Duke and Maryland, by the way, were those two teams. Duke and Maryland were really good around the turn of the century. The rest of the conference was trash. <laughs> and this year, the ACC's record is just two and five, which is pretty bad. Although, you know, most we, we sort of saw this coming because most of our teams were lower seeds than usuals. Uh, I, Sam, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the ACC. I, I think you probably have to start with Virginia, who is a team that, you know, had high expectations. Um, they've now had in the past three years, first round loss to a number 16 seed, win a national title, first round loss to a number 13 seed. Uh, you know, is Virginia good or bad in the postseason? I can't tell. <laughs> I think that this year, and, and we'll say this a hundred times, and we've said it a thousand times already going into this season, everything that's happening this year is just a little bit fluky. And look at the first two days of the tournament for all of the evidence of that. More double-digit seeds making it to the to the second round, and Virginia absolutely being a, a victim of this, losing in you know in, in a good game and a, and a totally UVA style game. This is not like the game that they lost to UMBC three years ago where UMBC just like made every shot and they, they won by like 20. This game was like a back and forth. This was a good game. And yeah, I, I, I don't think that UVA is as bad as two first round losses to double digit seeds in, in three tournaments as this would tell you, but it does sort of begin the story on the ACC where we knew the ACC this year was, was a little down. Nobody above a, uh, a number four seed and, and it plays out here starting with Virginia and, and then going all the way down the line. I was actually less disturbed by Virginia's loss than I was by some of the ones lower down in the bracket. And, and Syracuse is like the one ACC team that I don't believe in. And they managed to, to pull the upset as a double digit seed. Well, I, I actually love, so I had Syracuse winning that game. I love Syracuse in the tournament because I think their zone is tough to prepare for in the ACC. We see it, you know, once, twice, we see it all the time. So it's easier for us. I think it's tougher for other teams to prepare for that Syracuse zone. And we've seen Syracuse over the years make multiple runs as a double digit seed. And, and yet and win I keep games. thinking, yeah. and yet I keep thinking that they're not going to do it this year, but, uh, but maybe I, maybe I finally been, been shown the light on this. 
Yeah, stop picking against Syracuse in the tournament, Donald. That's the lesson, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the thing. Every single time you think Syracuse doesn't deserve to be there or doesn't deserve to be the seed that they are, pick them because they're going to win. That's basically how I, I, I saw it. I also picked Syracuse in this game for that reason. Uh, when they're 11 seed, I mean, the last time they were 11 seed was when they were in the playing game a few years ago and they went all the way to the final four. So that is uh, continue with some of these trends. I picked UCLA. I know we're talking ACC, but if there's a team that's in that playing game, you have to pick one of them in the first round because they have won just about every single time since the play-in game has been instituted in the first four. So, but back to Syracuse, I think their matchup zone always presents a problem because very few teams see it throughout the season. And so it's always a new thing that no one can really fully prepare for because they haven't had the on-court experience with it. And that's where Syracuse gets a lot of teams. Yeah, I'll tell you. So we've talked about how bad the ACC is. I do like Florida State to make a little bit of a run. Um, uh, You know, spoiler alert on my bracket. I've got Florida State reaching the final four, as I mentioned to you guys. Um, The fact that they survived winning their first round game and and survive was what happened to that game. You know, they Florida State almost fell. Uh, I almost lost my final four in the first round. Um, But the fact that they survived winning a game without hitting any three pointers again, Florida State won that game without hitting any three pointers. It's a really rare, almost impossible thing to do. And we know that this Florida State team is a really good three-point shooting team. So I, I, I could definitely see them getting hot and, and surprising and, and, and making you know a little bit of a run. I, I sort of like them now to perhaps go a little bit farther than folks had expected. Maybe my you know, upset pick of them making the Final Four will, will, turn, will turn out pretty nicely. Guys, other conferences, um, you know, as ba- the ACC has been the worst of the six major multi-bid conferences. Let me just give you guys the records of the conferences very quickly. The Pac-12 is 6-0. and The Big 12 is 6-1, and only Texas as a loser from the Big 12. The Big 10 is 6-3, and the SEC is 4-2, and and the Big East is 2-2, two and two. and then you have the ACC at 2-5. and five. Of the six major multi-bid conferences, ACC far and away the worst. Man, how about that Pac-12, Donald? Impressive, isn't it? I, I am going to push back a little bit. They are 5-0 and o with an asterisk because I will not count Oregon as a win. I know they advanced, but we're not counting no contest as wins fine. in You're this right. whole thing. I, uh, I know point. Kim Pomeroy went off on this last night on Twitter. I agree with him in that. But I do say that the Pac-12 did well. I did want to touch, however, on the Big Ten. Here's why. One of the arenas that is being used in this tournament is Mackey Arena, home of Purdue. Big 10 teams, there are five of them that played at Mackey Arena in this first round. So it's unclear why the selection committee decided to put five Big 10 teams at Mackey Arena, home of Purdue, but two of them lost. Ohio State, a two seed, I know we'll talk about them in a little bit, and Michigan State lost in the first four game against UCLA. Maryland, Michigan, and Wisconsin did win their games at Mackey. And, oh, by the way, Purdue, who is – home at Mackey Arena, they are also going home because they lost to North Texas in the first round. So the Big Ten about, you know, we talked about how well they have done. Some of their teams really showed poorly in this tournament in familiar settings. And I think that is an interesting key that usually you talk about in the NCAA tournament. You want teams to stay at home and be able to play their way through. But a lot of these teams that are familiar with these settings did not play well uh, in, in the Big Ten. So that was an interesting development that I saw in the first round. The conference that I thought did really well and that I and now we're going to I want to transition a little bit to talking about our our more specific picks is the SEC, who had a pretty good overall weekend and 
and look, Kentucky's not there. And Kentucky is always the, the premier team from the SEC in the tournament. But the SEC has some really strong teams that are not normally good. And I, and I had, this is where I'm going to brag about my picks because I have a lot of bad picks to highlight. But two <laughs> picks that, that, I, that I do feel good about so far are both Arkansas and Alabama going to the Final Four. They had uh, some back and forth in both of their games to start off the weekend, but finished strong and, and I think look like they're poised to make deep runs. Elsewhere in the SEC, I, I think you... You saw a lot of uh, a lot of good talent. Florida had a had a nice game against Virginia Tech, and normally this is a conference that I think we like to to make fun of as being you know they're a football conference and and they're one really uh, the the one school that they have Kentucky that is so focused on basketball isn't even here this year, and this is one of the SEC's best performances. Also very impressed by the Pac-12. Obviously not watching a ton of them, you know, being on the East Coast and having I like I'll admit. East Coast bias. I don't stay up. It's a real that thing yeah. <laughs> to watch. I don't stay up that late to watch Pac-12 games. So it doesn't happen. And when I lived out West, I watched more Pac-12 basketball. Now I do not anymore. So that is that that's definitely there. But uh, credit to them The that there is one Pac-12 team that I that I picked correctly yesterday, which was UCLA. And the only reason I picked them correctly is that I'm in another I'm in one bracket challenge where we have to pick all the games, including the the play-in games and I picked Michigan state through to the second round, but you got credit uh, for UCLA. Yeah. So I get credit for <laughs> yeah. UCLA because in the, because in the ESPN pool, like I filled out all my brackets before the games all started and then I don't touch them anymore. So I have Michigan state going through as an 11 and then ESPN just automatically changes it to whoever wins that first four games. So I got credit for that, even though I was picking the big 10 team there instead of the PAC 12 team. So Sam kind of teed up this notion of, you know, what did you, you pick right and what did you pick wrong? And we're going to get to that for each of us in just one moment. But, but I, I do want to talk really quickly because you sort of got to this as well, Sam, this notion of these double-digit seed winners. Uh, and it's, there's, some, there's some amazing stuff here. We had eight double-digit seed winners. Let me, let me count them out for you very quickly. Rutgers was a 10. They beat Clemson. UCLA and Syracuse were both 11s. They beat BYU in San Diego State. Oregon State wins as a 12. Donald said, pick those 12s. The 12, there's always a 12 winner, usually one or two. And this year, we got one in Oregon State beating Tennessee. North Texas beat Purdue as a 13. Ohio beat Virginia as a 13. And then the two really big ones. Abilene Christian takes out Texas as a 14. And Oral Roberts takes out Ohio State as a 15. And guys, we will have a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16, because number 11 UCLA plays number 14 Abilene Christian. One of those two teams will make the Sweet 16. Donald, give me some stats on these first round upsets. So if you're thinking there was a lot of upsets yesterday, it's because you're right. There were. This is the first time that four seeded teams, 13 or worse, made it to the second round in one, in one tournament. So even right off the bat there, you mentioned some of them right there. That is historic. We also have a second round that has at least one team from each seed save the 16th seed. One through 15 is represented by somebody in this bracket. And finally, this is the first time ever that a tournament has seen every seed win a game. Because, of course, if you count the first four, a 16th seed, two 16th seeds will always win those two games. Two 11th seeds will always win. So this is the first time that a tournament has seen someone from every single seed line win a game. This just shows you how 
chaotic college basketball was this year, right? Like where everyone has a chance in just the magic of the tournament. That's really what we've missed for the last two years. That magic of March Madness is here and, you, and it's prevalent in every single seed line. Somebody had their glory yesterday. Okay, so one of the things I teased a moment ago is our best picks and our worst picks. And, and, and I'll start here. Uh, I already mentioned I loved Syracuse because of that zone. And so I had them winning. Um, I talked about uh, on the previous podcast, I talked about how criminally underseeded. These are my best picks, by the way, Wisconsin was. Uh, and I know you may say, Jason, how can you be touting a nine winning over an eight? Well, I was certain Wisconsin was going to beat UNC. And the fact that they won, you know, going away, that game was not even minorly competitive. I'm taking that as one of my really good picks. <laughs> and then the other really good pick I had was I had Ohio beating UVA. I figured the Cavs would suffer from COVID. Either they would not be able to play like Virginia Commonwealth, or I figured Virginia was not going to be able to practice a lot that they were, you know, they were just going through a difficult week of dealing with, with COVID, even if they weren't going to have their game canceled. They went ahead and played. They did not look good. Their, their shooting was very poor. Hauser and Huff where their best offensive players just didn't look at all like the guys who were all ACC caliber players. And, and so I feel good about that, that pick um, guys, let me do, we'll, we'll do all of our best picks first. Um, Donald, I'll let you go first. Give me your, you know, the stuff you're the most proud of so far, and then we'll get to how poorly we've done elsewhere. <laughs> well, my best pick was one that you had, Jason, it was Ohio over UVA. And it's because I have Ohio making the sweet 16. Here's why. Last that time, would be a great pick. That would be a heck that of a That would pick, be a great buddy. pick. So stay tuned to see if that happens. But I have them making the Sweet 16 for this reason. The last time they were in the tournament was 2012. They were a 13 seed. They beat Michigan and South Florida to make it to the Sweet 16 that year. Because they were a 13 seed this time, I had them finding that magic once again. History so far, I've been, History go. is so far repeating itself. I, I reserve the judgment, I reserve the right to be wrong later down the road, but that was really my big pick. I had a couple of other, you know, small picks, um, a lot of 11 seeds that I picked UCLA being one. I thought they looked really good uh, in their first two games so far, but having, you have to have a 13 seed. You have to have one of those that you just kind of say, you know what, this is going to happen. And if it doesn't, who cares? Because it's, it's the, it's the tournament. That one was Ohio. And so far I've been proven right. All right, Sam, how about you? What, what's your best pick so far? Or I've done very poorly in the at least in the <laughs> at least in the great picks category. I told you guys that I got UCLA right. The only other double digit seed that I got right was Rutgers uh, as a as a ten beating seven seeded Clemson. And I think I only picked them because my girlfriend went to Rutgers, and and so I I was trying to align with her bracket so that I could I could nudge her out. Uh, it's not crazy if it works. Yeah, exactly. look, look in the preview, I I said Rutgers. I said Rutgers should be favored over Clemson. And, I was and, like, I don't know why they were a, a ten. It didn't make any sense to me. And look, we can go back and talk about the conferences again, but the Big Ten was more competitive than the ACC this year. So Big Ten teams and ACC teams matched up. The Big Ten teams are probably better. So and the seven ten game is is fairly yep. close enough in terms of in terms of where the teams are ranked so those are the only two double digit seeds that i got i'm more looking forward to today if we're if we want to transition to to looking forward because none of my other double digit picks and i had a few other double digit picks that all went awry oh, wait before i had yeah i was I gonna had, say before we get to san today diego i want state. your worst picks <laughs> i had san diego state uh going to the final four that didn't work out for me they're gone syracuse Ooh. took them out i was uh, i was feeling myself with san diego state the rest of, I mean, I've got a few other elite eight teams that are that are out of the tournament. I was going to say that that my day to be proven right or wrong or or very stupid is today because I've got two 
uh, number one seeds losing today. That's Illinois and Baylor. Uh, I have them losing to Loyola and and Wisconsin, respectively. So we'll see how that goes. The first of those games tips off in about two hours. And hey, Ken Palm says that I've got a 35% chance in both of those games. So I've got a 12% chance to be extremely brilliant today, according to Ken Pomeroy. And <laughs> don't count me out. Uh, look, I, I was going to say one thing we have not touched on, and I do want to get to our, our worst picks in, in one second. But one thing we have not touched on Come back on to me. Is, Come back to me later yeah. next week. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say um, that the, the first round, the number one seeds. Now, granted, they were playing 16s, but the number one seeds were really impressive. They were really, them. really good. All of them. And Donald, I saw you tweeted something that I think is, is very accurate. You said, who's going to beat Gonzaga? <laughs> because, man, I, I was that not you? Donald, no. you didn't tweet that? Uh-uh. I would have I would have tweeted that. that. I would have tweeted that I picked Gonzaga to win the tournament. And, and in the, you know, like we all try to make all these clever picks and everything. And, you know, who's going to, who's going to, you know, these surprise second weekend elite eight teams and whatever. I put Gonzaga in as the champion at the beginning of my creating my bracket. And then the rest like flowed out from there. Gonzaga was yeah. like, was like far and away better than everybody else in the, in the world of college basketball this year. And they beat lots of good teams early in the season. Like I think in, in some years, maybe a few years ago, Gonzaga would get away with maybe only scheduling one or two hard games in their non-conference this year. They played a bunch of good teams and they blew them all out. So I think Gonzaga is awesome. And I have no doubt they're going to win the championship. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so Donald, I apologize. It was someone else, I guess on my Twitter feed who, who it was a short tweet that I was like, that is the most accurate tweet I've read all day. And it just merely said, so who's going to beat Gonzaga? <laughs> I mean, they were the one team that I was like, I'm not going to make an attempt to watch this game because I know how it's going to go. I'm just going to keep tabs of the score. And if it gets somewhere close, then I'll put it on one of my TVs or iPads or computers. Never needed to do that because it was yeah. it was a blowout from the beginning. Yeah. OK, so guys, so really quickly, um, worst worst picks. Look, it's pretty easy. I'll, I'll go first. Texas and Ohio State. I had both of them making the regional finals. That did not work out for me very well at all. <laughs> um, uh, Sam, you already alluded to it a little bit. I now. told you about. Yeah, I told you about San Diego State. Let me tell you if I've got any other. So that's that's the only Elite Eight team that I have out right now is San Diego State. So I'm actually I'm actually feeling okay. I mean, there's there's a lot of Sweet Sixteen that's out. I got Texas, of, of course, and Ohio State. I both had going to the Sweet Sixteen. They're gone. Look, if, if you don't have those teams in the in the Elite Eight, you're probably doing pretty well because they were and, pretty popular Elite Eight picks. And uh, I have Purdue, and I have Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen, who also lost yesterday. So, my, and, my and I know other, that that was a popular, I, or not not a super popular, but I know that there were people that were picking North Texas in that game. So that's yeah. that, that's on me. My, my, my other one, uh, yeah, I, I have Purdue in the Sweet 16, and, and that, you know, that fell as well. The other one that I was out on a limb on, I had St. Bonaventure beating LSU and then beating Michigan. Uh, that, that didn't work out for me too well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Not so can, can we pause and, and say that, that at least when I was picking teams to uh, upset number one seeds in the first weekend of the tournament – that at least my my pick made it through the first day, you know. Like yeah, I've got two of them today, not. and they're probably going to get blown out. But but at least I'm not Jason here. Yeah, there you go, uh, so, Donald. Give me your worst picks. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, usually I only pick one bracket. I have one bracket that I use for all the pools. That way I'm not in a situation where I have to you know root for a, a game where I have both teams advancing in particular brackets. So this year I had a few slight variations, but I was going to have the same final four for each bracket. For Purdue, 
I had them to reach the Sweet 16 because of the fact that they were playing less than an hour from home and their home courts being used for games. And so I selected for them to lose to Baylor. Well, as I was filling out the DBR bracket, I somehow put Purdue in my final four and then didn't save Baylor going to the final four. So I have a final four team that is gone because Purdue lost to North Texas. That didn't save. I'm already Oops. down one. That's not a good pick, sir. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not. That is the worst one that I have by far. Ohio State, I will not. I don't care where I put them in my bracket. I will never consider that a bad, a bad pick because they lost. So uh, that, I mean, basically, I, I will talk about haters in a second, but that was my best, my, my worst pick, Purdue. Okay. Well, gentlemen, we've, we've spent enough time talking about the, the tournament so far. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, there's some controversy about some things that are going on at the NCAA tournament. We're going to get into that in just a moment. All right, so we're back. Uh, and, and like I just teased, there, there's a major controversy going on uh, regarding the NCAA tournament and the way they're handling it and running it and things like that. Uh, and we're going to get to that in one second. But Donald... I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Duke's situation regarding the fact that we're not in the tournament and, and how much people are talking about us, even though we're not in the tournament. So, so give us a little bit of that. Yeah, I, basically, to shorten what you just said, I'm going to talk about the haters for a minute. There are a bunch of people that decided it was appropriate to reach out to me. I'm sure they reached out to you guys on Sunday after the selection show was over to rub it in that Duke didn't make the dance. And as I mentioned on the last episode, they were, they, it felt like they were more happy about the fact that we weren't in it than they were about their own team making it. And that's cool if they wanted to do that. But I just want to mention that some of the people that talked trash to me on Sunday supported the following teams. Ohio State, North Carolina, Michigan State, Georgetown, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, UConn. Funny thing about these people is that they happen to be silent this morning because their team is in the same position that we are after the first round of the tournament. Done. All the where is Duke and where does Duke play? When does they play? All those jokes. Yeah, I'm glad you got them off. I told you to get them off while you could. But while you're so focused on making sure we knew we weren't in the tournament, maybe you should have just worried more about your own team and what who they were facing because now your team is on the couch and they're watching the rest of the games from home like we are. Two things we can always hold over these teams that I just mentioned. One, we won our last game of the season. If you go to didduquewin.com, it will say yes for the whole summer because we won our last game. And in the case for some, North Carolina, we didn't get molly whopped in the NCAA tournament. We can't, can't, can't get molly whopped if you don't play. So hopefully that was a lesson for you haters out there. Sometimes you just need to run your own race because while you're focused on someone else's race, you're not concentrating on the person dusting you and yours. And UNC snaps Roy Williams' streak of never uh, losing a game in the first round of the tournament. So it's a, it's a minor thing, but, but looking down for UNC and, hey, maybe Duke will, will come back next year and be great in the tournament. At least we didn't have to lose in the tournament this year. It is very weird, though, to, to be watching it and not have Duke anywhere. I'm, I'm yeah. like, there's a part of me, and, and some of this is probably COVID-driven too, but part of me is like, is this even really the NCAA tournament. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like so disoriented watching it. Cause I don't remember, I don't remember a tournament like this ever in my life. <laughs> it's, it's the third time since I was born that we've had to experience this three times. And only only and the second, only the second for me. And the first time I, I don't remember. So yeah. I don't even, I don't even register it. 
Yeah. So I've been around a lot longer than you guys, but just, you know, speaking to Duke's success, I, I also, I can barely register, barely re recall seasons where Duke has missed the tournament. Um, it just, it doesn't happen very often. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, like I said, we're, we're going to turn away from the tournament itself and get to sort of the administration of it, so to speak, right now. Um, major controversy for the NCAA this week, a uh, Oregon women's basketball player, uh, Sedona Prince, um, put out on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter a video of the women's weight room at the women's NCAA tournament. Uh, folks, you first of all, please find Sedona Prince on, on Twitter or wherever else you get your social media because, you know, her video was, I can't describe it as well as you can see it, but basically she showed us the weight room that, that was set up at the women's, the, the women's NCAA tournament. It, it, it's not a weight room. It was a series of about, it looked like probably 12 dumbbells, you know, like five. It was pounds. a box of dumbbells that they bought on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that was it. It's trash. And, and, and her video also included video that someone else had shot of the men's weight room, which was incredibly impressive, multiple different stations, you know, elliptical machines, you know, the entire setup that you would expect for a, you know, for a professional athletic kind of situation. And what the women had, frankly, there's no high school team, no individual high school team in the country that would have a weight room that bad, that poorly equipped. And that was the weight room for the 68 teams playing in the women's NCAA tournament. Um, just absolute outrage and, and people justifiably went absolutely crazy, uh, about the NCAA. And on top uh, and, of that, yeah. And on top of that, Jason, the, the, the disparity and everything else was bad too. I mean, even the swag bags were off, right? Yes. They had generic items for the women's team, which the men had like March madness logos and high quality stuff. Like even the puzzle, like they gave the men a 500 piece puzzle and they gave the women 150 piece puzzle like are the women less bored they're like, like who cares right. who cares about a puzzle but it's just like just get it right just get it right you know? it's not hard like what's the what, what's the difference in the expenses here i i think one of the comments i made to you guys a few days ago is that my hot take about the ncaa tournament is that i've decided that it's more corporate than the super bowl the the NCAA, which protects, is really saying something, <laughs> which is you're right, right. The NCAA like protects logos and has official sponsors of, of all kinds in ways that I don't think any other organization in America has. And and you can see it the way like when when you when you turn the lights on in the arenas, they all look the same. Like we know what Duke has played in, in Mackey Arena and Duke has played in Assembly Hall. And I don't think Duke has played in Hinkle Fieldhouse anytime recently, but we've played in some of these venues that are featured in these games and they don't look like what they look like when Duke plays in them. The, the, the floors are all different. They cover up as many of the logos as they can, like the, the host schools like barely register as being part of the event here. And Assembly Hall and Mackey Arena to a lesser extent are very cool venues on, the, on their own. Like when Duke has played in these places, they're super cool places to play. The way that they look, they both have unique designs and stuff. And that comes out so much less in the NCAA tournament. And it's such a, it's such a shame that it looks like that. And they don't really let the personality come out. And to bring it back to the, to the point about the, the, the women's tournament, I think what we're seeing here, and, and we've talked about this all year, this is not, it's not new, but the, 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 situation with the pandemic has really laid bare what we already 
kind of already knew about the NCAA, which is that it's an organization that exists because the men's, the men's basketball tournament exists. All the money that the NCAA makes comes from the men's basketball tournament. Now, maybe the women's tournament makes, you know, makes a little bit of a profit. Maybe they're able to, to spread that money around a little bit. But for the most part, we know just from, you know, reading stories about it, that the, that the NCAA exists because the men's basketball tournament exists. And so you would say if this was like a normal business, you would say, all right, they've got one product that works. Let's just pump all the money into that. But the NCAA isn't actually a business in this way. It, it's, a, it's a nonprofit. It, it's sort of a conglomeration of all the schools. It's supposed to support student athletics and, and be part of like a, a higher purpose that's not just making money. That's what they claim. We know it's not true. And, and they're laying it bare during this tournament by having these discrepancies between the men's game and the women's game. It's easy in normal years to just have them be normal. They, you know, they can make enough money, et cetera. But this year, because they're, they're stretched thin and, and all the other situations that are going on, they're like, look, we can just cheap out on the women's game and maybe no one will notice because fewer people are watching in general. But look, now everyone knows. And now, and now it blew up because, because a couple of women's players decided to highlight it on their social media and it's left the NCAA scrambling and all this. It, it's just, it's so disheartening because we know that it's not supposed to be this way. And we lie to ourselves a lot, I think, and tell, our, and tell ourselves that like, oh no, the NCAA, like there are people at the NCAA that really are just looking out for the student athletes and just want this to be, you know, all in the, in the good of sport and, you know, teamwork and, and all that kind of stuff. And nope, it's not. It, it's all in the pursuit of money and it makes us, I don't know, it, it makes me feel like the, the whole thing is kind of gross, but at least they, at least they attempted to write the ship, but man, what a terrible look and just a total unforced error by the NCAA in the setup of these tournaments. Well, so that, that was the point I was going to make the cost to rent some decent equipment for the women to use would be nothing compared to the cost of staging these tournaments. I mean, I don't have the figures in front of me, obviously. I can't imagine that it could cost them more than maybe five grand and probably are, less than that. Look, there are gyms the, all over the place and hotels that are either not operating right now or operating at much lower capacity. Like there is excess equipment for things like this that you can just yes, go ask people. For. Yes. Well, I, 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 and, and even if you couldn't get it for free or whatever, you know, with a sponsorship deal, look, I'm sure that there are companies that if you said to them, we want to make you the official weight room sponsor of the women's NCAA tournament, someone would have Yeah, but if the, if a, the NCAA's already got one of those, then they're toast, right? They've like locked themselves into too many exclusive contracts. Right, but my, my point on this is the, the, the cost for them to, to equip it well enough so that it doesn't look like a joke, because what they had looked like a joke. What they had looked like, uh, this, what the setup would be for a bunch of 75 year old women who are mall walkers would carry around with them as they walked around the mall. The cost to not make it a joke is next to nothing for the NCAA. And instead the NCAA chose to, you know, completely bungle this thing. And, and the bungling of it wasn't just in the setup, like the moment they found out about this, they should have dealt with it better than they did. They initially came out and they said, Oh, we're really sorry. The men's, tournament committee and the women's tournament committee because of covid they they weren't communicating as much as they usually do so they you know so they weren't able to sort of figure out what each one was doing i call bs on that that's totally nuts that's that, you know what the real answer is there that's code for they were operating under completely different budgets and so the men had money to do whatever they wanted and the women's committee we told them they can't spend money on hardly anything this is the year where the communication should have been easier 
because it's not like like the yeah, right. the two committees could be they were technically meeting in the same place because they were both just meeting virtually and it'd be very easy to have people in the background at the NCAA going between the two events and being like oh we were you know going over the covid protocol or we were going over the design of this aspect of the men's tournament are we doing that on the women's side and just like cross-checking the whole thing as opposed to it being on site in these places so for me the thing about it is that the ncaa is viewing the women's tournament as an afterthought and they may believe that but they shouldn't be publicly showing that and they really they stepped into it because they basically said the women's tournament with 64 or 68 teams i don't know if they do the first four there but they have they're worth an as sam said an amazon box of dumbbells that you could use to walk around the block and they're in texas dick sporting goods equipped thankfully dick sporting goods stepped in and equipped the entire tournament in an hour they got from one or two stores in san antonio they did that for an hour and the all they have to do is give them the resources give them the equipment hook them up with some cool stuff like these aren't things I, I, I do pr- promotional materials for a living. Like I've, I've, I've done that. It's not hard to get the stuff and it's very cheap to get really cool stuff that has your, your logos on it and give it to players and be like, Oh, wow, this is awesome. I have made an experience at the tournament. All they do is hook them up with some cool stuff, give them the equipment and provide the accommodations necessary to make the tournament a success. And that way they can say, Hey, the NCAA cares and it's viewed as important. But the NCAA views the tournament, the women's tournament, as an afterthought. That's the shame here. The women have a legit beef, and the NCAA really just needs to do better at showing us that they do care about student athletes and not just care about their tournament. They're one step off, really. I mean, I know you guys, I'm in soccer. They're one step off of being FIFA. Where FIFA at the World Cup, if you have T-Mobile Arena, they would just rip the T-Mobile logo off and just call it Arena in Las Vegas. Like the NCAA tournament is one step away from that because of how corporate has become. So my, my last thing on this is that this was a terrible failure of leadership on the part of the NCAA. Uh, and, and the failure isn't the fact that the women had lousy, you know, a lousy setup and the women were treated like second class, third class members of the organization. We know that kind of thing happens with them all the time. The failure of leadership was in the way the NCAA addressed this. Dan Gabbett, uh, the, the head of the two tournaments, came out and said, you know, yeah, this is on me. But Mark Emmert never said anything. Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, literally hasn't spoken on this issue other than being cornered like someone caught him in a hallway and they got him to make a couple of comments. But he has not come out and publicly addressed what happened here. If the NCAA really cared, about gender equity at all, then Mark Emmert would have shown up and talked about it. Chalk this up as issue number 2,457, where Mark Emmert makes it abundantly clear that he cares about money and preserving his power. And he doesn't really care that much about the athletes, especially he doesn't care about the athletes in non-revenue sports. And as the guy, let's not forget, Mark Emmert is not only in charge of college football. He is not only in charge of men's college basketball. He is in charge of dozens of NCAA sports. And again and again and again, he shows, and you guys have alluded to this, he shows that the NCAA really doesn't care about any of those other sports 
they only care about the ones that they can make money off of. And the one they make the most money off of is the NCAA basketball men's tournament. It's uh, like you said, Sam, I think you said it. This was, this was an easy thing for them to have fixed in advance. It was an easy thing for them to fix when it happened. And they just, they bungled it. Like they always do. They can't get out of their own way. It's, it's so sad. The NIT is also in Texas along with the women's tournament. The NIT didn't have these issues. They have bustling facilities full of stuff. Like this was an easy opportunity, as Sam said, to do the bare minimum. And they couldn't even do that. Hey, one last sort of funny thing that I heard, not necessarily related to this, but I got some stats I just wanted to give you guys before we roll uh, that I thought were incredible. Um, so the NCAA, we're talking about NCAA, you know, partnerships and stuff like that. We talked a lot about that. The NCAA has partnerships with a number of, um, you know, fast food kind of organizations as part of the NCAA tournament. I heard some incredible stats earlier this week on a single night, on a single night, Wendy's brought a food truck to, to the NCAA men's tournament where they served 1,500 burgers and chicken sandwiches to, uh, to the college basketball players. Buffalo Wild Wings served 61 teams during three days last week, served more than 19,000 wings on one night. 19,000 wings. That's a lot of chicken wings to be eaten by, by basketball players. And Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut during the first week of the NCAA tournament delivered over 800 pizzas and more than 600 orders of breadsticks. <laughs> That's a, a good thing food. they're not professional athletes because they're not having to look after their diets very much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So that's it with our NCAA tournament talk. There is one other thing going on out there that affects a, a former Dukie. Um, earlier this week, we got news that, uh, that Wojo had been fired as the uh, head coach at Marquette. Um, I, I don't think this was a huge, huge shock. Uh, it, but on the other hand, it wasn't like automatic or, or to be really expected. Um, he had, they, they didn't have a, a great season this year. They had a, a wonderful moment where they beat UNC and they had a few other decent wins. It's not like, but I want to be clear. It's not like Marquette was terrible, um, but it, it's just, he's been there for a while and he's never really gotten that team into the top half, you know, the upper tier of the big East. And I guess Marquette just decided that, well, it was time. Um, I, Sam, I'll, I'll go to you first, you know, any thoughts on, on Wojo and, and the coaching change that happens there. It's frustrating for guys to get fired after the COVID year where, so, you know, obviously everyone is affected by by the changes brought on by COVID, but I think assessing somebody's performance this year is is a lot more challenging given these complications and that you're really not operating on on normal ground. That being said, he got seven years there and relative to what we think of Marquette basketball being, I think it's it's pretty fair to say that he underperformed. They missed the tournament more often than they made it. And when they did make the tournament, they didn't win any games. So that's a, that's a pretty tough place to be. And Marquette had more success with its two previous coaches than it did with Wojo. And, and he got a long enough leash and, and didn't really deliver on it. So I'm bummed for him. I hope that he, he bounces back and either gets a head job at a, at a lower school or, or maybe, and I, I know we can do all kinds of speculation about how the coaching carousel lands for guys related to Duke, but there's always a chance that Wojo comes back to Duke in, in some capacity. So I think there are still opportunities for him. I think he's actually fairly well liked generally in basketball, not, I don't think by Marquette fans, but 
Uh, I think generally he'd, he'd be received well as a head coach somewhere else and definitely had, I mean, he's young enough, obviously that he could still redeem himself as a head coach and, and still land somewhere where he can be successful. The same thing sort of happened to Johnny Dawkins where he kind of fell short at Stanford and generally I think has been well received at UCF. He has, he's been successful there and, and hopefully Wojo is able to bounce back from that. With, when it comes to him at, at Marquette, he was just inconsistent. And I think that's why Marquette fans really called for his ouster. They've been talking about trying to get rid of him for a year now because of that inconsistent play that they had. You know, they would be ninth in the conference, then they'd be third or second, and then they dropped to sixth. And then this year they were ninth again in the Big East. But I, I, Sam, it was interesting that he got let go this year because of the carousel. And I know you didn't want to speculate on it, but there are a few programs out there that I think he would do well at. I think he would do well in an area where it'd be at a mid-major school in an area that is a hotbed for recruit for recruiting, because I, I think he's able to really tap into the local market and kind of build a program that way. And maybe that's the way he can get back to it. And by the way, Wojo's an East coast guy. He grew up in mm-hmm. Baltimore. Obviously he went to Duke. So him going to Marquette and I don't, I think he he had just left for there when we had started doing the show. So I don't know that that we ever got to talk about Wojo being hired at Marquette. If we rewind to back then and you want to hear my thoughts, I would say I'm glad that Wojo got a job at a at a school with a strong basketball tradition. I think that's going to suit him well, but he's in the wrong market for him. Milwaukee is not the area of the country that he's familiar with. He's a he's a mid-Atlantic kind of northeast guy. And I much would have preferred to see him coaching at a school in D.C., Philly, New York, any of those places rather than in the Midwest. And to that end, some of the teams that I've seen that are looking for coaches right now, you mentioned a couple of markets, George Mason, which is right here in the D.C. area. You have Fordham, which is in New York, Eastern Michigan, which is in my birthplace of Missoula, Michigan, just outside of Ann Arbor, right around Detroit, a really big talent hotbed there. You have Charleston, you have Eastern Illinois, which can tap into the Chicago market. And then you have Central Connecticut. I'm only including them because they are also the Blue Devils, and that you know is always fun. But I do think with one of those teams, DePaul might be interesting too. But I don't think he stays in the Big East. Yeah, uh, no, I, that, that, I think that's highly unlikely. But I, th- yeah, but I think he needs to go to a place that you know, a New York City, a, a DC, somewhere that has a, a lot of talent, where he can just kind of shop locally and say, this is you know, build a team and build a program up from the bottom with the local talent that is falling through the cracks there, so to speak, that I think is his game. And, and like you said, Jason, or like you said, Sam, New York, DC, even maybe go up to Boston. If he's somewhere on that East coast, he's really hyped to do that. But you know, at the end, because of this carousel, we have some Duke assistants out there that may, that could take one of these jobs. We'll see what happens in the off season. And because of that, he could very well end up back in Durham. Yeah, the, the coaching carousel, I think, is really interesting this offseason. We, we've already seen the Indiana job come open, and, and that's a big-time job. And, and I really think that the thing I want to talk about here is I think we're going to see a few other very big-time important jobs come open. And the first one of them is I think Shaka Smart is done at Texas. Um, he's, he's now been there for six years. He has not won a single tournament game. Um, this year was clearly his best team. But even with his best team, they didn't win a game. Uh, and, and their roster, you know, uh, this Texas team seemed absolutely ideal, primed for a deep run. They had a bunch of juniors and seniors. Their entire backcourt was junior. You know, their best players were all juniors and seniors. And it was all surrounding a, uh, a Greg Brown as a big man who was a one and done kind of big man. 
that's that's the formula, right? You got one guy who's you know looking like a lottery pick uh, as a freshman, and you surround him with a bunch of juniors and seniors, especially as guards. That's a team that should make a deep run. Um, Shaka Smart couldn't even make a run with a roster like that. I think he's probably gone at Texas. I, I think it's very likely that we're going to see Sean Miller gone at uh, at Arizona. Um, they, they've had enough NCAA tournament, uh, NCAA you know problems, probation and stuff like that. Uh, if we're talking about potentially the Texas, Arizona, and Indiana jobs all being often all being open, that's three of the top 15, 20 jobs in the country. There's going to be a domino effect on those jobs because they're not going to they're not going to pick some unknown assistant for one of those jobs. Those jobs are going to pick a hot, hot, you know, someone, one of these guys who's winning in the NCAA tournament now is going to get one of those jobs. I bet. I was going to say that the only people getting those jobs are guys who at the minimum made the NCAA tournament this year and likely are guys who were still in the NCAA tournament after the first week. I still think there is a chance that Shaka stays at Texas for one more year, given that he did just win the big 12 championship or at least the tournament. Uh, I, I think that may give him, a stay for a year, but I do think when it comes to Texas, they just remember they just hired Steve Sarkeesian on the football side. That was a lot of money tied up to that. I don't know if they want to also put money into finding a basketball coach. Texas I was going to say endless on, Texas has endless money, Donald. That's true. That's <laughs> I was true. going to say on the on as it relates to Texas football, Texas is is too distracted right now by this whole eyes of Texas mm-hmm. nonsense that's going on. That that's they may not deal. even yeah they may well it's a big deal because it's. I don't know. We don't need to go into it, but it's very distracting for them. And maybe all the folks running the Texas athletic department don't realize that the basketball tournament is happening. So they may not know that Chaka Smart lost in the first round. This is also true. I think they probably know. I I have a, a a good friend of mine. One of my best friends, his son is at Texas. He's a junior. And he said to me uh, yesterday uh, after they lost, he was like, Chaka's done. He said, no one here wants him to stay. He has no support among the administration or the student body. He's like, there's no question that this guy's getting fired. When you think about how big time Texas is, for them not to win a single tournament game in six years. I mean. And with a coach who who had been successful in the tournament multiple right, years. That was his calling prior. card. Yeah. That, that was his calling card. Was it he'd taken VCU, you know, deep in the tournament multiple, multiple years. They haven't won a single tournament game in six years. This is Texas we're talking about. I, I, I think they're going to move on from him because I think they're going to see guys out there that they feel like are, are better. Although when they hired Shaka, I thought that was a home run hire. You know, you t- Sam, you talk about going back in time. I forget if we did a podcast when they did. I, we probably weren't around when they hired Shaka, but man, I thought that was a I great could hire. Not con- I could not conceive mm-hmm. of a way he wouldn't be successful there. And he's been, you know, the crazy thing is he's been a great recruiter. Like they, they get these one and done. If you look at their roster this year, it's nothing but top 50 recruits. They get nothing but top 50 recruits and they get them to stay quite often. I, I don't know how they haven't been better. My brother went to Texas and I, what he, he has always told me is that Texas never does something unless they are about to make the next move. So we need to wait and see what this coaching carousel will, will yield because they will not fire Shaka unless they know they have someone better than him ready to go. That is just how Texas operates. And like you said, yes, the money may be there, but they may just look at the, at the carousel and say, there's no one here that's really going to fire up the troops. And, and that's, that's how Texas rolls. Well, it'll all be interesting to see. And uh, guys, we are very close to the second round, the round of 32 getting started. Folks, you'll probably be laughing at us by the time you listen to this podcast, because there will be things that will have happened that we won't be able to comment on, but 
we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see into the future quite that far. All we could talk about was the first round, the games that already happened, and they went absolutely fabulous. It was a ton of fun. Um, but that's about going to wrap us up. Sam, I know you wanted to do one more thing. Just remind folks about something important, right? Yes. We told you on the last podcast about the survey. It's at tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. That's where you can give all kinds of feedback about us. We've gotten a lot of great responses so far. I do not want to share them yet because I don't want them to color the way that you, the listener who has not filled this out yet, would potentially fill out the survey. So don't forget tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. Take you only a few minutes tell you and, and allow you to say all kinds of things about us. And it's, it's anonymous unless you leave a contact information and want us to to come back at you, but DBR podcast, tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. And thank you to everyone who has submitted. Yes, so thank far. you to we've everyone gotten, so far. We've gotten great responses and, and we appreciate reading. We, we love reading all, uh, uh, all the feedback via email as well. So DBR podcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us as well. I have one, I have one takeaway from the survey that is surprising to me specifically from the from the data we've collected so far but i will not share it until <laughs> until we've closed the survey which which there's no there's no timeline for that and like we we might just leave it open for a couple of weeks because you know it's not like we're making changes imminently or anything's happening to the show don't worry we're still going to be here next week and the week after and the week after that but tell us what you think tinyurl.com slash dbr podcast survey i love it uh, we got that in multiple times i'm not gonna even repeat it uh like donald said we'd love to hear from you you can also email us like he said, dbrpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. As we always tell you to, please like and subscribe. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love to read them out here on the air. That's going to wrap it up for us on the latest edition of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We'll be back in just a couple days once the second round is done, once the Sweet 16 is set. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about other Duke news that happens out there. You never know when we're going to hear from one of our players about their decision about maybe the NBA draft, their transfers going on, crazy stuff happening all across college basketball. We are here to bring it to you and give you a Duke spin on all of it. For Donald and Sam, I am Jason. Thanks for being with us again. Duke Band, play us out. Take us home. You know, a, a nine beating an eight, Wisconsin beating UNC isn't a big upset. But the fact that they blew them out did not surprise me. That's something I would have said was very possible. And, and so I feel, so that's sort of one of my good calls. Yeah. Which somewhat speaks volumes about how poor my picks are. <laughs> I mean, my picks are bad, but yeah, my pick, we'll, 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 we'll talk, talk about, about it. how poor I did. Hey, Sam, you sound overmodulated. What, what is that? Uh, like, you um, you sound like you're, um, what's the word? Like your, vo your volume's up too high. Like when you talk, it comes through like as screaming. It sounds about, distorted a little bit. How about Wait, now? That. Better, oh, right? yeah. Now it's fine. What did yeah. you change? The microphone input was wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah. There so you go. it was going through. I think it was going through my headphones. There we go.